0: This is Bet MGM MGM tonight. Join us for live
1: sweats. Yes. Let's go, 80, That five. was a big balls three. Three minutes ago. Big balls three. Instant reaction. This is an unbelievable thing for me to see. My favorite team, my true favorite team. Less mistress, more side piece. And maybe a few regrettable decisions. Oh, he's got bust written all over him. Goody Kent
2: sucks. Jordan Addison ran a 5 3 and he's Tristis height. I'd take him. You know what you shouldn't have
1: done? Bet on the Wizards. Yep. Now live from Washington D.C. It's Ryan Horvath, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. We got a three-one Cubs lead over the Braves in the bottom of the seventh. Runners on the corner. Ryan, this is good. This Why is, is good. up in the right now.
2: How many pitches is Ty on now? Eighty-one. Eighty-one. I've seen this movie before. David Ross needs to, the Cubs could win the World Series, and I would pack David Ross's bags for him. Three-two count here. Everybody, here's the other thing. Everybody in the Braves lineup is hitting two ninety-five with 36 homers and 98 Ooh, RBI. So I've Check.
1: got the score ahead of me from the broadcast. You're not going to be too happy here. So really? Shot? Yeah, because uh, obviously BetMGM has it very live. You got to be kidding me. Uh, so we'll just uh, we'll just let's let's just let this play out real quick with Ryan. I mean, why is nobody up in the
2: pen? Oh, okay. Wait, Nick, damn you! Oh no! <laughs> I told you. He boots a double
0: play. <laughs> Hey, I gotta go home. Whoever's on social, clip that right now. Please. Yes.
1: I just, I was like, this is perfect. We're just gonna let this happen. Clip it. There you go.
2: Clip it. Oh my God, and that's Nico too. We suffer
1: with our teams live on the air for everyone else's entertainment. And I, for one, hate it, but this is what I'm stuck doing. This is, this sucks. I wish I was a Phillies fan. Yep, see, you thought it was simple. Yeah. It's a lot easier being a, you know, covering Philadelphia teams, being a Phillies fan, whatever the case is. That's what Joe Gilio does now, WIP Midday Show, uh, part of the Odyssey family. But before we get into anything Philadelphia and how your Eagles are going to stomp my commanders this weekend, I think it's going to be a bloodbath, Joe. Uh, are you in or out on Taylor Swift again being at the Jets Chiefs game? Because apparently that's the only thing people want to talk about on Twitter X right now.
3: Yeah, it's, it's also here in Philadelphia because we have a, a kind of an interesting connection to Taylor. Taylor's from the area. She's from outside of Philadelphia, like, you know, maybe 30, 40 miles away. So she's, she's supposedly, guys, an Eagles fan. But I'm seeing her decked out in Chiefs gear. <laughs> I guess I'm going to see it again. All I know is this. There's going to be a, a big thing here in Philadelphia in about a month and a half. The Eagles go to Kansas City on Monday Night Football. If they're still together and she's there in Chiefs gear, people here are not going to be happy. So uh, I'll have my eye on that for sure. Yes.
0: My POV, Joe, is that they're not really together. They're not really dating. Uh, this is all an act and all an arrangement for clout, for clicks, mm-hmm. for for jersey sales, for her new album that's dropping, probably Super Bowl next Reach year. It. What do you think? you think this is real?
3: So I think it's real. I don't know if it has any lasting power. I do like your theory. I've heard similar theories to this. I just wonder... Isn't he benefiting way more than her? I mean, like, everyone knows who Taylor Swift is, and, like, we know who Travis Kelsey is. Everyone listening to this show right now knows who Travis Kelsey is. But I always think of it like the grandma test or the mom test, depending on your age. Like, does your grandma know who Travis Kelsey is? Maybe. But now grandma's going to know who Travis Kelsey is. Like, the, he, now now he, he's, he everyone knows who he is because of Taylor Swift. Everyone already knew Taylor Swift. So if you're right, Trista – I think Travis is the one that's benefiting more from this whole thing.
2: All right, Joe, before we get to football, let's actually start with the Phillies because you have nice things. I don't, unfortunately. <laughs> David Ross, nobody up in the pen with 3-4-5 with coming up for the uh, Braves was a decision, man. Jeez. Uh, how are you feeling about the Phillies? Do you think they can make another deep run?
3: They can. Uh, I'd feel better about it if – MLB reseeded the playoffs yeah. after the first round. It, it, it's kind of interesting. And this obviously started last year with the extra team they put in. It's just a bracket. I mean, it's just like the NCAA bracket. It just happens to be baseball. So I do feel good about the Phillies next week in the wildcard series. They're way better at home. And none of these teams look particularly daunting, whether it be Arizona, which it's probably going to be. Or the Cubs, or the Marlins, or the Reds; those are probably the four that, that could come to Philadelphia. But after that, guys, it's going to be the Braves. The Phillies will play the Braves, which will be an incredible series, and obviously it's the rematch of last year when the Phillies knocked out the Braves. Now, look, Atlanta's better, Atlanta's deeper, but the Phillies did play them pretty, you know, pretty well during the season. They actually won more games in Atlanta than they lost, and. I keep an eye on those Braves pitching injuries. Max Free with a blister, probably going to be okay, but blisters are weird. We know that with pitchers, they kind of pop back up, and then the guy's out of the game. And Charlie Morton's going to miss that series, so uh, I believe the winner of the Phillies and the Braves NLDS is going to represent the National League in the World Series. The Phillies have a real chance, but you know, an all-time offensive team is kind of staring them down that that second round, likely.
0: I promise we will get to the NFL, but the biggest news today was obviously Damian Lillard, and that somewhat affects you guys in Philly because now the latest is that Philadelphia wants to try to get into the Drew Holiday sweepstakes. I don't know what they have in order to get involved. Like, What's your thoughts coming into training camp with James Harden still on this team, no deal imminent, and now trying to figure out a way to to get him off the books and to get a guard who can maybe fill his shoes?
3: Yeah, I, I, I had a feeling you'd ask about this, Trista. And so my feelings on the Sixers is I'm not high on this team at all. Now, it could change in a couple of weeks if they make a, a significant move. I just feel like they, they their window's over. I don't believe the Sixers are going to win a championship with this crew. I, I haven't felt that for a couple of years. Now you throw Dame in the East. I mean, Dame and, and Giannis is an incredible duo that, that should go to the NBA Finals, and if not at least be in the Eastern Conference Finals. So I'm down on the Sixers significantly in the Eastern Conference this year. As far as Drew goes, I'd love to have Drew Holiday back. Uh, you know, it, it kind of would go full circle here as the process is kind of over and dead in Philadelphia. But that trade 10 years ago, sending Drew Holiday out as a 22-year-old all-star to kind of jumpstart this long rebuild, which obviously had some success and landed beat and all that, but, but that was the first trade. So it would kind of be poetic to bring him back. As far as what they could trade, I think they're still hoping they could dump Harden and make it some sort of three-team deal, and maybe Harden ends up, with the clippers and and maybe the sixers get involved with the blazers and then Drew ends up here. I I think that'd be good for the sixers if they get Drew Holiday back, but I have very little hope. It just feels like the sixers window is past and they haven't <laughs> realized it yet.
1: Talking to Joe Gillio at MGM tonight. Wow. Uh, a sad sixers uh Take there, and I listen. I I get it, right? Like you, you see this, and James Harden kind of disrupting the whole thing, and you go, oh my God, it's it's right back to this. Uh, on the other hand, I know how that feels because, as you know, I'm uh, from D.C. I'm a Commanders fan, and it's uh, we're just happy our owner is gone and we have a fresh start. Problem is, I just watched my team get whooped by the Bills last week, and I see this Eagles defense come in with a defensive line that can absolutely destroy Sam Howell and that offensive line that I guess is an, a professional offensive line in Washington. Eagles are 8.5-point favorites, the 3-0, and oh, but like we've watched a little bit of a, a disjointed at times offense in Philadelphia. But DeAndre Swift is absolutely incredible for this Eagles team. When I look at this matchup, Joe, I see two defenses that are, especially the defensive lines, they're really good. But then I see the ability for the Eagles to get after Washington's offense and just make it miserable for them. While on the other side of things, guys like DeAndre Swift and then multiple wide receiver weapons that are going to be out there as well. And I just feel like this is going to be one of those games that isn't even close.
3: Yeah, I'm with you on this. This could be, this could be a bloodbath in Philadelphia this weekend. this Now, look, last year the Eagles were undefeated. Washington came in and them their first loss. So there's a little bit of that, too. It's the first time they're coming back to Philadelphia since then a bad matchup for the commanders i saw a stat today guys about sam howell that blew me away so last week against the bills he had all those sacks taken and all those interceptions no quarterback in 28 years has had a game with that many sacks and that many interceptions like this guy and, and obviously the offense lines at issue too but he's just a mess back there like he's just running around with his head cut off like a chicken with his head <laughs> cut off and throwing the ball everywhere it's a bad matchup for the commanders and, and here's the the part on the eagles that's really interesting I don't think they've played great football yet. They're 3-0. and Jalen Hurts has played well below where he was last year. Now, I think we're a few weeks away from that R-word, regression, coming into the, the consciousness and, and a big conversation. But he hasn't been as good so far this year, yet they're 3-0. and So maybe it's a spot for teams to eventually get the Eagles if Hurts isn't playing great. But here's the scary part in the NFC. If this defensive line keeps playing like this and they're running the ball like this and the weapons are there – if Hurts gets going at close to the level he was last year, we're talking about a team that's going to reel off 13 or 14 wins. And
2: when you look at the Eastman, I was really high on Dallas, but they lose Trayvon Diggs. How much do you downgrade them? I mean, I know it's one really bad loss, and Dak didn't look very good. The offense didn't look good. But does Dallas scare you as much as they did a couple weeks ago? And then we look at the schedule, and we're like, ah, oh, they really haven't played anybody. But that defense looks so good. And then last week, just got cooked by uh, Dobbs and the Cardinals.
3: Yeah, they do scare me. Uh, obviously not as much after losing to Arizona, and, and the Diggs injury is a big one. I, I actually think it's a bigger deal in the Eagles-specific matchups than it is just overall through the season. I think they'll get through it because they have such a great rush and they have so many good defensive players and Dan Quinn. But when they play the Eagles, I mean, that was kind of the the matchup that was so interesting because they got Gilmore to go on the other side. So they had Gilmore and Diggs to match up against A.J. Brown and and Devontae Smith, then obviously now they're down their best corner. So I think that'll hurt them in the head-to-head matchups. I do think Dallas is good, though. I'm not ready to say they're frauds because they lost to Arizona. We see this. I mean, we know it, guys. It's the NFL. I and mean, last year, I believe in week three, the Chiefs lost to the Colts, who ended up a 4-12 and team. So, like, one loss early in the season to a bad team doesn't mean you're not as good as we might think you are. I think Dallas and Philadelphia are close. Slight edge right now, Philadelphia. They're 3-0. and But, I mean, the winner of that division – might be the team that gets home field. The difference might be the one seed or the five seed. It's it's massive with those two teams play each other in early November.
0: Sides have been really tough. Totals have been really tough so far this year. What I've really loved is props, Joe. In this Eagles-Commanders game, uh, are there any players that you feel like, just looking looking at this matchup, that we should really target?
3: So – the Eagles have struggled so far this year to get Dallas Goddard his normal catches and yards, but they've tried hard the last two weeks to do it. They've thrown a lot of screen passes that last year turned into really successful plays. You know, a tight end screen, the line of scrimmage, the blocking would be out in front. He would get 10, 12, 15 yards a pop. And so far this year, they're trying those things, but it's, he's getting tripped up, or the block's just, just someone gets around the block and trips him up, and he's not getting those yards. But the targets are there. If you look at the last couple games, the targets have absolutely been there for Goddard, but he's just not getting the yards. I think this is the breakout week, so I'm assuming that number is probably going to land somewhere in the low 40s, 41, 42. 36 and up. a half. 30, well, well, then I would take the over, yeah, because I, I think like typically that's where he lies in the 40s. So I, I would say go over on that. That's a, that's a good number. I would go over on Dallas Goddard. I feel like this is the week he has his breakout game.
1: Joe, where would you rank the top three teams in the NFC right now from what we've seen?
3: San Francisco one, the Eagles two because they just keep winning given that they're not playing well. And then I would put Dallas third. A week ago, I would have had Dallas above the Eagles and so what happened. But San Francisco's the clear one right now, guys, the way I see it. And what's really becoming hard to ignore is they've just picked up where they left off. You know, there's been this thing back and forth. The Eagles fans, Niners fans have been a social media thing. Obviously, Eagles, uh, Niners players think that they got job last year and if Purdy had stayed healthy, they would have went to the Super Bowl. Not the Eagles. I thought that game, the title game, would have been a close game, and then he got knocked out, and the game just you know went haywire. But you think about it, you know, the, the Niners went undefeated from about mid October until the NFC title game. Purdy got hurt, they lost that game, and now they look this year like that team that was undefeated. I and mean, we're going on almost a calendar year if you take away the NFC title game, where the Niners haven't lost. I, I, I think. We have to eventually like wow. They're just dominant. I I I think they're the best team in the NFC right now.
2: Joe, I gotta ask you. I gotta switch over to the AFC because I'm excited for this Dolphins Bills game. Uh, Bills two and one. Dolphins a perfect three and zero. And you got the Bills now two and a half point favorites. It's juicy though minus one twenty at BetMGM. Who do you like in this game? And who are you higher on uh, in the East? For the rest of the season, the Jets, the Bills, maybe the Pats, or the uh, of course my Jets, who are dead.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I do think just as a long shot play, maybe not for the division, but I, I'm not done with New England. I, I I think there's something there with that defense that is really good, and they lost two close games to two really good teams, in the Eagles and the Patriots and the uh, Dolphins in week one and two. So I think my you know New England's still interesting. But as far as the top goes, I, I love this Miami team, and I know they have struggled in spots like this, and this is where it's like, oh, they come back down to earth. I'm not sure they're coming back down to earth I mean if you score 70 in a game and they they could have scored way more if they wanted you have a special offense and I'm starting to see shades here guys this reminds me of, in terms of catching the league by storm it reminds me of when Sean McVay and Jared Goff had their two-year run where no one could really stop them and and eventually it obviously didn't work and they moved on and, and they end up with Stafford and Goff went his way but like for a couple of years it was like whoa how, what is the league gonna do they keep, we couldn't stop this thing no one could stop it that's where I think Miami is right now and I don't think Buffalo is gonna stop them on Sunday I think it's a good spot for Miami because it's not cold weather it's not December it's not snowing like it was that game uh last time they played I really like Miami you know in with a spot of uh, basically a, a close game a field goal kind of game I think Miami gets into the 30s, and I think Josh Allen struggles to have another mistake-free game. He gives one up. That might be the difference. I like Miami in the game.
0: What are your thoughts on what you've seen from the Lions? Because second half of last year, they were much better defensively. Started rattling off some wins. They play the Packers this weekend as one and a half point favorites. Are they a lock to you to win the division? Like, and what's their upside?
3: So I. I wouldn't say it's a lot, but I do. I love them to win the division. I, I liked them before the season. I, I like what I've seen so far. I mean, I they kind of blew that game in Week 2 against Seattle. They, they could be 3-0 and right now. What, what's really making me like them even more than I thought I would, though, is their defense. Because yeah. I think coming into the year we were like, all right, the offense averaged 30 a game the second half of last year, like you mentioned, Chris. They, they were on their way. But it was like, can they stop anybody? Well, I think their defense has been more impressive than the offense so far. And you figure the offense is, is going to get better. Jameer Gibbs is just going to get more touches they could eventually get, you know, Jamison Williams back at at wide receiver. And Amon Ross St. Brown is, I think, the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL. And I think they've left some points on the board. So I I love Detroit, and they probably won't be able to get a a one seed with how good Philadelphia, Dallas, San Francisco is. But I wouldn't want to play them. I mean, especially if I'm an NFC team, you know, in the first round of the playoffs to go to Detroit where they're ready. That that crowd is, is outstanding. I like Dan Campbell. I think Detroit is going to win their 11 or 12 games, host the playoff game, and they're going to be a tough out in the second round wherever they go, whether it be Philadelphia or San Francisco.
1: Joe Giulio, live from Philly, WIP. Great talking to you, Thanks, man.
3: Thanks, Joe. You got it, guys. Good stuff.
1: Miss you. Love God. you.
0: He yeah. hates Philly. He hates. I mean, he eats the Sixers this year. I uh, I don't blame
1: him. I don't blame him
2: one bit. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to get excited for them. Like the Bucks just got Dame. Yeah. And now who's going to stop Dame?
0: Stuff. You're yeah. in the East. Who's going to stop him?
1: The winning trifecta is Ryan Horvat, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. All three will be right back on Bet MGM tonight, presented by Bet MGM, live from BetQL.